reading this morning is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13, and that can be found on page 1041. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. We're on, Pete. There we go. I'm going to use this for the first 10 minutes for reasons that will become apparent. Anyway, I just want to say, great to see you all here. Uh, today we come to a topic that is dear to my heart and I believe is at the heart of what it means to know God and to walk with him personally, and it's prayer. And so before I start, if I can just say a very big thank you to those who came down here for the 24 hours of prayer, which was just uh, last Friday night through to Saturday night. Uh, we had an incredible response of people coming here and praying and very encouraging and there was a couple of people who stayed all night. In fact, one of our members uh, from Night Church I think was here for the whole 24 hours. Now, they would, uh, I know, want to be uh, nameless in that. Uh, someone asked them, how many hours were you here? And the response was, God knows. <laughs> and he does. Anyway, so a very big thank you. So let us pray as we come to talk to God and as we come to listen to him on this very important topic of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us this day on this divine mystery we call prayer. Open our ears and our hearts to hear you speaking truth into our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us confidence to respond to you 
with the issues that we face and come to you in prayer as a result of what we discover in your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in every religion, there is some concept or understanding of prayer. There's no doubt about that. In fact, even in our secular world, people who've got no particular faith in any particular sense uh, will on occasions pray. And one of the interesting things for me is as a minister, it's amazing how many times people will say, can you say a prayer for me, Bruce? Uh, It's almost like I'm the magic genie. Now, I saw uh, this interesting little uh, graphic. Uh, It came up over in New Zealand at the time of the World Cup. Please, God, this time, every four years, New Zealand stops being a secular nation. I thought they obviously stopped praying when their cricket team came to Australia. I kind of feel like it's a justice, you know? I don't know any Aussies who feel like that, but that's how it is. I don't feel too sorry for them at the moment. We love them, but it's nice to see the guys winning on the cricket field. You see, in spite of what atheists of our world want to say, we are innately religious. There's something within us that yearns for something of the divine. Why is it that in times of trouble, people begin to pray who've never prayed before? Why is it that when hardship comes, I will see them here at church and they'll say, please pray for me, be it sickness or hard times or tragedy? We discover them on the front door. And let me just say, we welcome them in because often it's at these times people meet the living God. But as Christians, we know that at the heart of our faith, And what it means to walk with God is that we can pray. It's one of the profound mysteries of life that I can utter words to a God I cannot see and he is listening and not just listening but answering. And so it's not just one of the great mysteries of life, it's one of the incredible privileges of the Christian faith that we can walk with God, listen to him speak to us through his word and respond in prayer in confidence that we know he's going to hear us. And the text for us today is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And we're going to be doing things quite differently to what I normally do. I'd normally just go work our way through the passage. We're going to do it differently. Uh, There's the first verse I want to reflect on for a while. And then one of our great prayer champions is Max Boys, our pastoral care minister. I'm going to have an extended interview with Max about prayer and about this passage. And Max is going to come up in about 10 minutes' time. But look at verse 1 with me on the screen. And if you've got your Bibles there, open up to page 1041, Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And you can see the scene. The disciples have been walking with the Lord Jesus. And as was his custom, he is praying... And the disciples watch his prayer life and realise and know that there's something profoundly different to the way he prays to what they have been brought up with and seen around them, with the religious people of the day, who, yes, prayed, and often quite fervently, but if I can say in a very formal way, not in the way that you see the Lord Jesus praying. And I want to just stop for a moment and just reflect on Jesus' prayer life. Because it's helpful and instructive to learn from our master who knew most of all what it meant to walk with his father and to just observe 
how he prayed. Because this series is about deepening our own walk with God and helping us to learn what it means to walk with him. And I think there is no better person to be with in the school of prayer than the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Max is going to come and reflect on the actual passage shortly. But there's no doubt at the heart of Jesus' walk with his heavenly Father, there was prayer. And it's fascinating to think about because, you see, Jesus is the Son of God. And as he comes to earth as the Son of Man and takes on our form, what you see is prayer is integral to the way he related to the Father. Now, there's no doubt this is just a reflection of actually the Trinity, that the Father and Son and Spirit would relate together, but you see in the most beautiful way that reflected in his earthly life. What do we learn about Jesus and prayer? Well, the first thing is this, uh, when you go through, and I've got numbers of verses I'm going to put up, so rather than have you flick around, just have a look at the screen and observe with me. Luke chapter 3 is the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he is baptised. And Luke records that when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened. And so from the very start of his public ministry, what you see is this sense of communion, of relationship, where heaven is open and he prays. You see the ministry as it begins to unfold. Luke chapter 1, sorry, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now, if you're familiar with Mark's gospel, he has just begun his public ministry. He's been in the synagogue teaching. He's been healing. He wakes up the next morning, very early, and Mark records while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And that was his practice. As he ministered every day, he would gain his strength from his prayer life. We read in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, at the end of the day, after he dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And so he starts his day in prayer. He finishes his day in prayer. And one of the most famous miracles uh, and incidences in the Gospels is recorded after he has spent this evening in prayer. It's when he walks on water and Peter is confronted with him. Prayer was so integral to how he walked with God that Luke describes his ministry this way in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And if you're familiar with the Gospels, you'll know people flooded to the Lord Jesus. They came to him in droves as he ministered to their needs and as he healed them, as he cast out demons, as he taught them the Gospel. And so amidst the busyness of life, he had to withdraw from that to spend time in prayer. You see his humanity in the sense of needing space and when he goes to find that, it's with his Father in heaven as he prays. And so at key moments of his ministry, he often would pray right through the night. Now, some people question me, why do we have 24 hours of prayer and pray right through the night? Well, I take it from the model of our Lord Jesus. Do you know the night before he chose the 12 disciples, he spent the night in prayer? One of those days, Jesus went up out onto a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And the next thing you record in Luke's Gospel is the choosing of the 12. And I've always wanted to stop at this time of the year as we look back and as we look forward to call the church to their knees, to our knees, 
to pray as we seek God's wisdom and guidance and power. It's why we start the year with a week of prayer and fasting. It's one of the most important things we do every year. If you've just joined us, yes, we will have a week where we pray and fast and I'll call you to fast and seek God for the whole week because we need to go forward on our knees under God. The turning point of the gospel story is when the Apostle Peter, in this moment of divine revelation, says to the Lord Jesus, actually, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah. Did you know that that incident was preceded by Jesus praying? Have a look at Luke 9. Once, when Jesus was praying in a private, the disciples were with him. He asked them, Why do the, who do the crowds say I am? And the famous dialogue goes on, some say Elijah, some one of the prophets. But who do you say I am? And Peter, in this moment of divine revelation, says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And the story of the gospel turns as the secret is out. Very shortly afterwards, Jesus takes three of those closest to him, Peter, John and James. And what do they do? They go up onto a mountainside and pray. And Jesus leads them. They pray. And as he's praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as the flashing of light. And it's the transfiguration. It's when the three most close to the Lord Jesus saw Jesus not clothed in his earthly humility, but rather transfigured into his heavenly glory. It's incredible. And again, it's preceded by Jesus in prayer. Probably the most famous incident of Jesus praying is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went with his disciples, it's recorded, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And even as he's dying, Jesus is still praying in one of the, probably the most profound of prayers. Literally as they're killing him, literally as he's about to die, he is praying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And you see, what we learn from Jesus is fundamental to walking with God is in our relationship with him, is prayer. He was strengthened in his walk with God. He was guided. He interceded. And he ministered. All, I take it as a result of the way his prayers were being prayed and answered. Which is why Jesus taught that we need to come to him and pray. That we need to persevere in prayer. But that if we come and pray, the Father will hear us and answer. And one of my most heartwarming promises that I know of in the scriptures is in John chapter 15. We looked at this last year. Jesus, in talking about prayer, said this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so in thinking about walking with God and following in Jesus' footsteps, prayer is absolutely essential. Our prayers don't need to be long. Our prayers don't need to be complicated. And our prayers definitely shouldn't be flowery. I think that's just people uh, showing off with their words. Our prayers just need to be heartfelt words where we talk with God and with a desire to honour him and a belief that he's listening and that he can work. And we come to him in prayer. 
And one of the most striking phrases in this passage of Luke 11 is this, in describing a parable, and he's teaching the parable to encourage us to come to him, he says, and these words in the NIV are, with a shameless audacity, come to me. You see, that's the confidence we need to have. So can let me invite up Max, and uh, Max is going to come and reflect now, uh, if I can say pastorally, on prayer. Can I get you to welcome Max up? Thank you for coming up tonight, uh, today, Max. Um, you can say that later on in the day, Bruce, coming up tonight. <laughs> Where's my questions? I brought not there. the wrong sheet up. Uh, you, you've got it here, Bruce. What's that? Yeah, they're there. I've had a big week. <laughs> Thank you, Father Max. <laughs> um, let me start with a question. Max, for you, how is prayer significant in terms of walking with God? Yeah, I think um, right at the outset you talked about Enoch uh, when, we started, when, we started the series. when we started the series. yeah, And you mentioned that the scriptures describe him as somebody who walked with God. And I think that for many of us we kind of go, oh, wow. Uh, o to be Enoch kind of thing, he, he must have been some sort of guy. I think the reality is, though, that, you know, you've just given us a whole lot of reasons why prayer is significant uh, as we reflect on the Lord Jesus. And Jesus has made it absolutely possible for us to just come to the Father and just to be able to, to talk with him. And Jesus invites us to do that. So there's this ongoing invitation right throughout the Gospels. Uh, we come to verses of Scripture like the one in Philippians which says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then there's the promise uh, of peace in that. And I think what, what happens in terms of the significance of prayer is that it's our hearts connecting with God's heart. And, you know, the, um, I, I gain enormous, um, I think we all do, um, that sense that God, it, it's so important for, for us to pray that the Spirit actually will intercede for us mm. so, that we, so that we can pray. So Max, what does um, it look like in your life, prayer and walking with God? Yeah. Max Boys. Yeah. Um, my wife said you should be asking her this question. <laughs> yeah, Rose, <laughs> but, but, what does it look like? <laughs> but the... Um, First of all, I want to say it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful privilege to pray, isn't it? And I want to thank anyone out there, who, any one of you who prays for me. I just want to say I value that enormously. And I know people pray for me. And I, I actually recognised that yesterday morning. I just all of a sudden found this profound peace. And I thought, hmm, someone's praying for me right now. But for me personally, um, one of the great things I find in terms of encouragements to pray is uh, me meeting with people and praying. So Tuesday mornings here is very precious to me when we come uh, and we're invited to come on a Tuesday morning and pray. That's precious to me. I meet with a friend and uh, we pray for each other. That's great for me. I find Sundays enormously encouraging to, um, to, to lead me in my, in my um, walk with God in prayer and I, I trust that you do too. And we have 
people like Justin this morning leading us in prayer. That encourages us to pray. Uh, I have the privilege of leading 8 o'clock in prayer, so I'm constantly reflecting upon that. But the other thing that I try to do just throughout the day is, you know, that sort of sense of praying constantly. And I, I think it's so urgent, particularly today. We, we're hearing so much on the news and we kind of feel powerless. And uh, I think that what we need to be doing is, is more and more responding uh, in prayer uh, to, to those moments. But as well as that, I think um, as well, responding to those glorious moments. You know, when, when God just surprises us uh, with a rainbow in the sky, whatever it might be, and just to sort of respond in, in thankfulness to a sunrise or a sunset or whatever, just maintains that uh, walking with God. The thing I want to say is that I think those of us who are in families, uh, particularly those of us who are parents, um, are called to our knees often, aren't we? And, and so I think yes, that our we, children do get us praying. <laughs> they, they get us praying and, and they keep us praying and we're still praying uh, in that regard. Um, but the other thing I, I think also for me is that prayer is clearly my work. Aren't you glad to hear that? Uh, because uh, that's what I've been called to do. Um, and so that's a great joy and a privilege for me to be, to be in prayer. But I know that I'm, I'm a weak person and I've come from a, a background of business. And so even in my business life, it's there that I learned to pray, I want to say, rather than being called into ministry. Um, because th- there was no way that I could do the things that I was doing in business day by day uh, without calling upon God and asking him uh, for, my, for his help. Um, Yep. Okay, let me move along. Uh, Luke 11, where we get introduced to what's called the Lord's Prayer. I haven't unpacked it, and we're not going to unpack it in detail, but Max, just your thoughts on how this passage helps us think about prayer and walking with God. Yeah. It's an extraordinary passage, isn't it? And uh, Jesus praying, the disciples recognising him praying, teach us to pray. And then he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And that prayer is prayed, I understand, thousands of times every day uh, throughout the world. And as somebody who takes funerals often, uh, it's interesting to me that uh, even people who don't seem to have any church connection will respond to praying the Lord's Prayer uh, in the funeral service. So it seems to be there as that. But then then the reality is there that the disciples have never heard this before. Um, and he says, pray like this, pray our Father. And so this was a revelation to them. This would have been a shocking reality to them, uh, the, the sense that we could be that intimate with God that we could call him Father. And I guess I want to say that for all of us, we, we ought never to lose that sense of that, that richness and that vitality or that, that reality that we can call God Father. Uh, it's an amazing uh, reality. And then he takes them through that parable and... Um, Really, it's a parable that says, you know, it's a Middle Eastern sort of sense there in, in all that's going on. And, and it's saying that, you know, this guy's going to answer the door. Um, but, he, but, he, but it's importuned, it's, it's inconvenient, he's frustrated by it, but he's still going to answer that door. And then he says, ask and receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. And then he gives that little sort of scenario of, of fathers. Would you give your son this if he asked for this? Would you give him this if he asked for this? Of course you wouldn't. How much more will I then give the Holy Spirit to those who ask me? And I think we, we need to recognise here that, um, 
you know, when we receive Christ, we know that the scripture tells us we, re- we receive the Holy Spirit at that moment, that he comes to dwell with us. But here in this passage he's saying to us, I think, is that I will be with you always. My presence will be with you always through, through my spirit. Just keep asking me and the spirit will be with you all day long, all through anything, all through any life circumstances. I won't leave you or forsake you and, and I will help you with your prayers and I'll answer your prayers. On that, because there is no doubt that this concept of God as father would have been revolutionary for them. How should that impact our praying, knowing that God is Father? Hmm. I think that it it gives us enormous confidence, doesn't it? It gives us enormous confidence that we can come to a loving Father's heart. And you recognise the second verse of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, that sense of his absolute sovereignty over all. And so we come to him as our loving Heavenly Father, And in that phrase, as it were, in that reality of of him being our loving Heavenly Father, all of prayer rests right there. And what we're doing really is we're aligning ourselves with the will of God. Now, I don't know about you, how you came to to sort of have that real sense of God as your Father, but for me, uh, I I actually used to, before I became a Christian, used to go to sleep every night praying the Lord's Prayer. It was like a sedative, uh, you might say, a good sedative. Uh, but I didn't really understand what I was saying. And then the night I was converted, uh, it was a really rainy night and I was coming home. I was driven home by a group of people I, I kind of knew. They were all the Christians from the local church. Not all of them, obviously, were in a car. But um, they were supposed to be a little bit funny. But the, 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 there, were, there were half a dozen of us in the car and we're, they were all praying as we dropped the first person off. And so I... Um, I thought, oh, you must do this. As a Christian, you must pray. So immediately I thought, I'll pray. And I called God Father. And then it just was like the Spirit interceding with my spirit and, um, and, and saying, what you just prayed is true. I am your Father. And you're my Son. And I just think that recognition, as, as Paul talks about in, in, in Romans... You know, you are my child and um, I'm your father. And so there's that great uh, reality of there. So we come to his loving father heart and nothing can separate us from that love. Fantastic. Thank you, Max. I've got one last question. And this kind of moves us where we're going in the service. Um, We typically invite people at the services for prayer after the sermon. And if I can put it this way, from my observation, people can be appearing sometimes apprehensive or reticent to come forward. Uh, perhaps for reasons of fear, perhaps embarrassed to come forward and be prayed for, prayed with. Uh, what are your thoughts on this and responding to God in prayer after a message is preached? I think one of the things is that we need to get comfortable with the, being uncomfortable. Uh, because as you've already indicated, uh, you know, the word of God is powerful, um, the word of God is preached, and then the spirit is at work. And the spirit is convicting us, convincing us of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And the spirit wants to, to call us to, to, to Christ, wants to constantly bless us. And I think that's what's going on. 
And so um, you, you just have to look at something like the day of Pentecost, for instance, where it says the people were cut to their heart after Peter preached. And then their response was, well, well what, do we, what do we do? Go home? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're glad they didn't, aren't we? We are glad they didn't go home. <laughs> we're so glad. And I think that there's a reality when we as God's people and, and anyone else who comes and joins us on the day, uh, because at any one time we trust out here this morning, people have just come and joined us. And the reality is that God says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. So we can come expectantly recognizing that God is going to do something. And I think he's always calling us to growth, always calling us to step, to step out and to, to move forward. And last week, Max, I'm going to reveal a little secret, and you've given me permission for this. I invited people to stand in the congregation who felt they needed prayer for contentment. And I was talk, talking on a very, if I can say, delicate subject of greed and contentment. Now, you stood up, Max. I did. Now, Max has given me permission to say this. Why did you stand up? Well, you actually made a little bit more... You made a little bit more... Um, Broad. Broader than that. But I have to confess, too, that, that greed's been a, a reality in my life. Um, there's no doubt about that, that, that I'm very sort of... Um, yeah, very materialist in that sense. I've, I've had to sort of keep fighting that through my life. Join the club. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, but one of the reasons I stood up, I had a little bit of a fight with myself before I stood up, and um, one of the reasons I stood up is I'm profoundly grateful for a work that God did in my life some years ago, where he really significantly healed me of an anxiety, a deep anxiety. So part of it was that. The other part was that when you asked us to be still and to be quiet, I thought, oh, there's a thing. <laughs> um, there's a thing that I need to bring before you. Mm. And um, I was a little hesitant. And then I thought, no, I'm going to stand. And uh, I hope that I encourage others to stand as I do. Um, but I stood because I knew that God wanted to bless me in that. And I knew that he was going to answer that prayer. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're here for each other. We, we want to walk with each other. Now just stay there. Um, what we're going to do now is we're actually going to invite people for those who would like special prayer. I want to read to you from this passage we had read today, Luke 11, I'm at verse 9. I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. And if you were here for the start of the series, you'll know we had the doorway here. It's not the doorway for Narnia. Um, but we invited people to walk through here, symbolic of the fact that over these seven weeks, we're going on a journey of walking with God, and we came up to the communion rail for prayer. And so I've brought the door back today because I want to invite people who need prayer, want prayer, desire prayer for whatever reason. To actually come forward, and we're going to invite our prayer team to come first up. And if there's something in particular that you have as a burden on your heart, then I want you to come up and be prayed for. And we're going to close the service with prayer. Now, I've prepared for hopefully many people wanting to get prayed for or prayed with uh, this service. But I want to just ask you, Max, 
Uh, what encouragement would you give to people today to come forward for prayer? They might be feeling apprehensive, someone's going to see me go forward. Does that mean I'm not all right? Take hold of the moment. I just think um, it's always worthwhile to take hold of the moment. If that's, It's not always going to be the case for, for all of us at any one time or anything. I don't think. Sometimes it might be. If the Lord uh, wills, of course that can be. But I think the reality is that um, those of us who are on the prayer team and, and those of us who are on staff, the greatest, one of the greatest privileges we have is to... Um, I, I thought I, we were all wrapped up, so sorry. <laughs> Uh, one of the greatest privileges w- we have is to pray with each other. Mm. And um, I think that it's never going to be safer than, than here. Mm. It's never going to be safer. And I think that, um, I mean, I, I had a lady come to me earlier this year and she said, I want to thank you for praying with me last year. And she was a lady from the UK, not because of my prayers, but because of God's blessing. Her whole life had been turned around. Uh, in that 12 months mm. um, and she'd be come worshipping God every week and uh, there'd been sort of little mini miracles within a family. Fantastic. Mm. I want to read you a true story of an email that came to me from one of our church members. It's been on my heart to share with you Bruce a recent experience I had with prayer after church. I'd been feeling really sad and anxious for weeks crying every day and worried I was slipping into depression. One night my husband was away and I was feeling very vulnerable during church. So I went up for prayer afterwards. It was actually Kath, that's my wife, who prayed for me. And I know she's continued to pray for me since then. But almost immediately after Kath prayed, it felt like something broke and the cloud lifted. My outlook changed and I was back to my old self. It was a profound and immediate answer to prayer. In fact, the only two times I've gone up for prayer after church, God has worked in this way. Other people have been praying for me, so I'm not sure why God chose to work through the after-church prayer team to answer my prayers that day. All I can say is that, praise God, he did. Mm. So let's be quiet. I'm going to invite the musicians to come up. And we're just going to have some singing quietly to close the service. Uh, That's why we had the collection song earlier on. And I just want you to be uh, be quiet before God now. And just to ask yourself these questions. Today, is there a breakthrough that you need in your life? Is there some particular way that you need God to be at work in your family, in your own life, with your health, with sin that you're struggling with, with issues that we are raising here at church on a Sunday? What's the big issue, the burden that's on your soul this day? I want to invite you to come up and to walk through the doorway symbolic of the reality that you're seeking God this day with a shameless audacity to knock on heaven's door and to ask God for a miracle or a breakthrough or provision or protection or whatever it is else that you need for you or someone close to you. So let me pray. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up while I'm praying. And then we're just going to sit and sing, and those who would like prayer, 
I invite you to come forward. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father, who is in heaven. And Father, we want your kingdom to come this day in our lives and for your will to be done in our life and in our church. Father, you call us to ask for our daily needs, to forgive those who sin against us as we forgive them. Father, you promise protection from evil. Father, may that be true in our life today and Father, give us confidence and to not be afraid to come to you in prayer this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go up, and I'll tell you, I'm going up for prayer first. There's issues I want God to be at work in. And I invite you to follow and come with me as we seek God for our lives and for our church and for those who are close around us. And while that's happening, Mark's going to lead us quietly in song.